Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. I saw Jackal play at a strip club at a fish camp near Walhalla or Seneca, somewhere up there. Some tiger tails? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Strip club. <laughs> it was at a it's fish camp. A, it's not at a yeah. fish camp. It's called the Clam Strip. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Cinema Shop Shop, everybody. We're back on time, as promised, and we've got a full house today. We have got joining us regular guest Joey Pool. Hello, Todd. Howdy. And the OG, the Podfather, Travisito. Hello there. I'll be your host, and today we're going to be talking about guilty pleasures. And let me just say, you are so brave to have have the audacity to broadcast about this topic. And I'm I'm chomping at the bit here. I'm just going to go ahead and give you my top five right now. <laughs> Debbie does Dallas. <laughs> Debbie does Denver. <laughs> Debbie does Detroit. I don't think someone Debbie read the notes. does Duluth. <laughs> and two girls, one cup. There you go. <laughs> two girls, one cup. Definitely tops them all. So yeah, uh, Guilty Pleasures, the movies that you like that uh, are either poorly rated, socially unacceptable, uh, forbidden, or whatever, uh, but you like them despite that. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're going to dive right in because we've got a lot to cover. We told everyone to come in with five ones, five hot ones. Yeah, I've got three hot ones and then two that are just sizzling. (laughs) Who wants to go first? Joey? Well, before I give my first pick, uh, I want to share a passage from uh, Chuck Klosterman. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, this is from an essay called Not Guilty, which is about guilty pleasures. Uh, he says, he writes, In and of itself, the phrase guilty pleasure seems like a reasonable way to describe certain activities. For example, it's pleasurable to snort cocaine in public restrooms, and it always makes you feel guilty as such. Lavatory cocaine fits perfectly into this category. Drinking more than five glasses of gin before work also qualifies as a guilty pleasure. So does having sex with people you barely know, having sex with people you actively hate. Those are all guilty pleasures in a technical sense. However, most people use this term to refer to things like why they like Joan of Arcadia, the music of Nelly, or Patrick Swayze's Roadhouse. This is troubling for two Why reasons. Why would anybody feel guilty about like? <laughs> I know, that? right? Uh, and he, he finds that guilty for two reasons. One, because labeling things like a Patrick Swayze movie a guilty pleasure implies that people should feel bad for liking things they sincerely enjoy. And if those same people were not somehow coerced into watching Roadhouse every time it's on TBS, they'd probably be reading a portrait of the artist as a young man. <laughs> so in other words, I disavow the term guilty pleasure uh, and I will say ahead of time that I'm not one bit guilty for loving any of the movies that I've chosen. And going forward, you're going to be using a lot of air quotes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but my first one is not so much a movie as it is a genre. And I'm going to go ahead and get this one out of the way first because it's the likely the one that's going to get me the most flack, especially in this sausage fest that I'm sitting in uh-huh. right now. And it's the Hallmark Christmas movie. We did a whole episode about them. Name a Hallmark Christmas movie. You can fill it in the blank. They're all pretty much interchangeable. Uh, Smoky Mountain Christmas is my go-to. A, a uh, Prince for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I they're, can't remember uh, the name of any of them, but I can tell you the plot of all of them. Yeah, they're essentially just like uber wholesome rom-coms set at Christmas. 
Um, but like latently sexualized. In a very, very latent way, if you're watching the same ones I'm watching. We see but, the uh, chaste kiss and then the yeah. stuff that, you know, dirty uh, stuff happens off camera, I guess. These movies are objectively bad, or at least they're objectively very formulaic, but I, for one, love them because while they're like Christmas cookies, while you're eating them, it's easy to pretend that the world is not a horrible, rotten, stinking, mean place and that we all live inside of a very pleasant snow globe so i'll be With watching Lacey some of those Chabert. later this Lacey year Chabert. yeah there's a reason there's a whole string of these movies people like them mm-hmm. it's, it's a warm blanket mm-hmm. you know it's 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 nice there's no there's you're right there is no shame in that but it's not high art but hey it doesn't have to be no right and some actresses have revived and actors have revived their careers uh, like and Lacey do exclusive exactly yeah. I'm thinking of uh, Winnie from yes from Wonder Ra- Years, yeah, Wonder Years. That actress from Days of Our Lives is in a bunch of them. Allison, somebody. Anyway, all right, Todd, take it. Okay, so my first one, and all of mine are between the years '85 and '90 because I had I had so many on my. The actresses uh, are. <laughs> the uh, some like wrinkles. Todd. Yes. <laughs> um, the films here. So most of these, the movies that I settled on were ones that I first encountered uh, in my childhood or teenage mm-hmm. years. Uh, Debbie this, does this, Dallas. This, yep. Debbie does Detroit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Devil and Mrs. Jones. Uh, this uh, first one actually was, uh, so I don't know if this is so much the case anymore, but back, uh, back in the 80s and 90s, um, when uh, local television stations, if it was a Saturday and a Sunday afternoon and there wasn't some sporting event going on, they'd just throw on some random movie. The Death Wish, Wish series of movies uh, were... Wish. Charles Com- Bronson? Charles Bronson, nice. yes. So my choice, though, is actually uh, from 1985, Death Wish 3. Um, and, uh, it's, of course, it's Charles, uh, Charles Bronson as Paul Kersey, who is a vigilante. Uh, in the first film, his wife and daughter are raped and killed, and uh, he's in a, this kind of a feet liberal type guy, and then uh, that completely changes. Uh, he gets a gun, and he goes out and starts uh, killing bad guys. Yeah. Um, and so that's the whole premise of all the movies, basically. And they get ever more ridiculous. Uh, Death Wish 3, uh, he goes to visit a friend in New York and uh, it's an elderly man and um, as soon as he gets off the bus uh, on his way to meet his friend his friend is murdered by these by a thug who just kind of sneaks into his house and basically the premise of the film it turns out not to belabor it too much but uh, it's basically um, Rambo meets the Warriors so this gang of thugs has taken over this section of New York they're basically running things there's this thug named Fraker uh, who Charles Bronson runs into uh, in jail because uh, uh, the uh, police detective recognizes uh, Bronson or uh, Charles Kersey, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Kersey, I'm sorry, who is under George. an assumed name because in the other Death Wish movies he's had to um, kind of go into hiding. Mm-hmm. People know who he is. And so this uh, uh, police detective who knows who he is throws him into jail and um, until he agrees to work for him and clean up the city on uh, behalf of the police department, basically. Chit-chat. Yeah. So, um, these thugs, though, are, I mean, it's almost like, you know, the Lost Boys or something. They've mm-hmm. got weird mohawks. They've got paint on their faces. Um, they're, you know... One of those multiracial 1980s movie gangs. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. 
exactly. It's a pretty accurate um, representation of New York, yep. according to my parents. <laughs> yep. Is there a graffiti-covered subway car? There, I don't remember a subway car specifically, but there's a lot of graffiti. Yeah. I can tell you that. Um, and um, one interesting tidbit about this movie, as I was watching it, and I rewatched it for this, it said music by Jimmy Page, and I was like, surely that's not Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. It, in fact, is Jimmy wow. Page from Led Zeppelin. Uh, however, in this particular movie, it's like cheesy synth 80s music, and I was like, that okay. can't be Jimmy Page. So I went down a rabbit hole. It Jimmy Page scored Death Wish 2, and then for Death Wish 3, he wasn't involved, but they just took his score from Death Wish 2 and synthed uh, it. Oh, up. wow. Right. So that sort of explained the kind of cheesy score there. The Death Wish 2 score is actually pretty good. I bet there are hardcore heads who own both versions of that on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Winter actually uh, is one of the thugs in this movie. Oh, who, uh, Bill and oh, Ted. Bill and Ted. Uh, yep, exactly. Speaking of Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Balsam, who was in Psycho as the detective who gets killed, and he kind of they have the footage of him yeah. going down the stairs. Um, one, he won an Oscar for uh, a film called A Thousand Clowns. He's in this. Uh, Ed Lauder, who was in uh, Cujo, King Kong, character actor that was in a bunch of stuff, is in this as well. So as far as, you know, why do I find this guilty pleasure, the movie is just ridiculous on its face. Uh, one of the reviews that I found said, this is nothing more than cinematic, a cinematic masturbation. Cinemasturbation. Uh, so, yes. Uh, it's got 16% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, they actually stylized the movie Death Wish 3 with the actual number 3 instead of the Roman numeral. And the reason why was because they uh, uh, found a study that said that nearly half of Americans couldn't read Roman numerals. So they changed it to the actual number 3. Um, instead of I think you're Roman still numerals. safe until you get to Up four. to 3, yeah. sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> That was their logic, though. That's why one and two, you know, two had the Roman numerals, and then thereafter they just and this was numbers. Nineteen eighty what? Five. Eighty-five. You no, know, Death Wish oh, lost I. me with that. I, 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 I. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen I, I, I. Death Wish? I, I, I. <laughs> All right, Travis, you know, you're up. All right. So um, the reason I'm I'm picking this one is because it's a much maligned property in a vast universe of celebrated properties. Uh, I'm talking about Howard the Duck. Ooh. Howard the mm. Duck from 1986. Rated PG, although they probably could have got slapped with a PG-13 for those duck boobs. Also, don't ducks lay eggs? Why would they have boobs? We yeah. talked about this during our episode with Leah Thompson. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, good. It's an hour and 51 minutes. Recently rewatched it. It's directed by Willard Hayek, H. U-Y-C-K. In this film, based on the comic character, a Marvel comic character, Howard the Duck is suddenly beamed from Duck World, a planet of intelligent ducks with arms and legs, to Earth, where he lands in Cleveland. There he saves Rocker Beverly, played by Leah Thompson, from thugs and forms a friendship with her. She introduces him to Phil, played by Tim Robbins, uh, who works in a lab with scientist Dr. Jenning, played by Jeffrey Jones, who goes off the rails by the end of this movie. Um, when the doctor attempts to return Howard to his world, Jenning in instead transfers an evil spirit into his body. I loved this movie when it came out because I was exactly the right age but then i never stopped loving this movie <laughs> like everybody's like no you can't no and so i'm i was mentioning uh he's a 
maligned property, but he's kind of making a resurgence. He's oh, made yeah. cameos in the in Guardians, the Gar- of, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and they, he looks a little bit different in each one, which is odd. Uh, but yeah, Howard the Duck is going to be awesome. my first guilty pleasure. I, I just want to add, if there's anybody out there who can give us a, canon, a canonical reason in the comics that there are boobs on these egg-laying yeah. ducks, please. Junkin, where are you out. at? <laughs> All right, well then, we've already mentioned mine in your quote. I'm picking Roadhouse as the guilty Roadhouse. pleasure. Because Roadhouse. We got some overlap here. Yeah, Roadhouse is uh, a 41% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Which is bullshit. 1989. Dude, direct- you got to rewatch this thing. This thing's directed. I can see why Craig yeah, would hate it. You know they're doing a remake like right now, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. It's directed by Rowdy Harrington. Rowdy Roddy Harrington? He should be. Uh, starring, of course, Patrick Swayze, Sam Elliott, Kelly Lynch, and uh, that blind guy. Jeff Healy. Jeff Healy, yes. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's really a bad movie. I mean, you, you have to set aside your love for Patrick Swayze. Uh-huh. To see that it's a bad movie, it's it's, yeah. it's over the top, goofy violence, a really thin, thin plot. Uh, the very... premise is so <clears throat> absurd. Like I, w- I wish I were a fly on the wall when this was pitched to someone because mm-hmm. the premise is a millionaire flies from Missouri to New York to hire a, I guess a well-known uh, bouncer uh, to Zen run bouncer. his you know shitty club, and it's like why would a millionaire? Dude, why wouldn't he just shut the, down the, the club? The stakes could him not be much? the stakes could not be any lower <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Yet um, here we are, all at, you know, riveted by what's going to happen next. Uh, yeah, Roadhouse. There you go, Joey. You're up again. Uh, well, that's a tough act to follow. Uh, for number four, I am going with another one that I remember fondly from my youth, mm-hmm. and I rewatched it again this week just to make sure that it was something that I actually wanted to show for. And fuck yes, I do. Uh, Beastmaster. Beastmaster is a. I'm just gonna say it. It's a classic. It's uh, people think of it as a knockoff of Conan. Yeah. I'm just gonna say this, and y'all, at me, fight me. Well, Conan it's better didn't have than control uh, over the animal world. The first Beastmaster movie is better than any Conan film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Period. And you got ferrets. It's it's yeah yeah Mark Singer who uh, I know from, as many of you know as Donovan from the V miniseries yes. in the eighties, uh, Rip Torn plays an evil wizard, Tanya Roberts Amazing. who is a Bond girl and I believe I think believe it was a view to a view to a kill I believe, uh, is in the movie. It's a fantasy true. revenge epic. Uh, we talked about this on the sword and sorcery uh, episode episode yeah. with Dave Dave yeah our Dave good friend was in Dave. Like, yeah. It, it's done by, uh, it's directed by Don Coscarelli, who did uh, Phantasm and Bubba Hotep. And uh, it, when I rewatched it again this week, it I, it's a veritable visual feast. Yeah. I mean, it's a good it's movie. It's all practical effects, too. So it, I think it, uh, you know, I do not, again, I don't feel guilty about any of these. I really don't feel guilty about this one. I it's thought about adding this on my list. Genre yeah, I knew movie. You would hit it. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, great one. All right, Todd, you're up. Uh, next up on my list is a film that came out three weeks after Death Wish 3, uh, Rocky 4, which does actually use the Roman numeral 4, uh, so they have less contempt for their audience than did the Death Wish 3 people. Now, uh, which, which one is this? Is this the This is the Hogan one where one? He, uh, Ivan Drago. Oh, Drago. Uh, so okay. he goes to Russia, and it is a perfect piece of uh, Cold War propaganda, which is where the guilty part comes in because it's shameless and it's flag-waving. Uh-huh. Uh, one uh, quote that I came across said, uh, Rocky IV still stands not as a highlight of the series, certainly not that, but as a quintessential artifact of mid-80s studio film. 
filmmaking, soulless, flag-waving, soundtrack-blasting product. Product with a capital P. Uh, speaking of the soundtrack, one of the best of all time, as oh, far yeah. as I'm concerned. Uh, Survivors, uh, Burning Heart, mm-hmm. um, Living in America, <laughs> Living in America. Hearts on Fire, uh, No Easy Way Out. And here's uh, one of my favorite uh, little tidbits about this movie. It's from that MTV era, right? 91 minutes long, 29 minutes of the movie, so almost a f- one-third are montage, montage sequences. Yes. There are eight total, totaling 29 minutes. Um and so, you know, definitely pure 80s, you know, trying to, I'm sure, you know, get off on the MTV popularity of the time. The lesson um, I learned from this movie is working out with lumber mm-hmm. yeah. is greater than high tech Te- science. <laughs> yep. And anabolic steroids. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've got it. You've got to work out in the woods. Absolutely. And um, uh, so Stallone directed this himself. It was a huge box office success. 300 uh, point four million dollars it made. Damn. So it was a huge. I think it would, uh, might that might have been the most successful Rocky movie, I believe. And one one little thing though uh, that's interesting about the movie though, uh, the actor Tony Burton who plays uh, the who trains Rocky and he was the originally the trainer of Apollo Creed in the previous movies. Okay. Of course, uh, Apollo gets killed in this movie by the Russian, Spoilers. which is why Rocky comes out of retirement. But anyway, there's a scene uh, where Tony gives Rocky a pep talk when he's at this little you know retreat in the woods or whatever. And uh, he and, and Stallone says thanks, Tony. He calls him by his real name, Tony. Oh, no and they left it in the movie. Wow. Um, so ah, fuck um, it. Yeah, they just left it in. Um, it strikes me that this is kind of the quintessential sequel too, in that it took what was originally was a very gritty, yeah. working class sports drama series, which had slowly been kind of working toward its apotheosis into ridiculous blockbuster and yeah. then this one was just the absolute just yeah. apotheosis Excess. and that. it's definitely yeah. not working class anymore he gives Polly his uh, his brother-in-law a robot talking robot yes the robot's amazing <laughs> yeah uh, mm-hmm. didn't his son play his actual son in this uh, I believe so yes yeah. Okay. Um, yes his actual son um, who I believe came back for Rocky 5 as well which may be one of the worst movies of all time yeah. but um all right, okay. Travis. Oh, and I'm next. Uh, Debbie does Duluth? No. Uh, so I'm going with Tremors. Tremors from oh, 1990. Awesome. Uh, love this movie. Probably watched it a thousand times as a kid on VHS. We got a PG-13 rating only because they say Mother Humpers instead of Motherfuckers. It is a horror sci-fi uh, directed by Ron Underwood. You've got these two repairmen, these handymen, out in perfection, um, which I think they're supposed to be in, is it Colorado? They're they're in a specific state, but they keep mentioning Bixby, which is in Wyoming, which does not border the state that they're supposed to be in. They're always talking about going to Bixby. Uh, Anyway, so it's Val and Earl played by Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. Yes. And they're tired of their dull lives in the small town of perfection. Nevada. Sorry, it's Nevada. Um, but just as the two try to skip town, they happen upon a series of mysterious deaths and a concerned seismologist, played by Finn Carter. We didn't really see much of her after this. I would have liked her to have a more uh, prominent career. Uh, studying unnatural readings 
below the ground with the help of a an eccentric couple, Reba McIntyre and Michael Gross. Reba! The group fights for survival against giant worm-like monsters hungry for human flesh. Um, the movie is almost perfection. Well, my question about this one is, does this qualify as a guilty pleasure? Is it, what is the like consensus about Tremors? Cause I, I thought that it was sort of a beloved. I, it's, it's definitely gained a cult following. Um, and that's, that's what Michelle said when I told her it was on my list. She's like, no, everybody loves Tremors. <laughs> but, uh, I think that it's, it's campy enough mm. and takes itself seriously enough to, to qualify. <laughs> Now, I cannot say the same for any of the sequels. Those are just guilty. There's no pleasure involved. <laughs> All right. Um, my next is from 1981. That's a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is insanely high. Just because of how... 64? Yeah. It's Clash of the Titans. Oh, the uh, original one with the stop-motion animation? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ray Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen, the, uh, yes. Did, he was that was 81? 81. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was earlier. Directed by Desmond Davis, starring Harry Hamlin, Laurence Olivier, which is kind of funny, uh, Judy Balker, uh, Burgess Meredith, Maggie Smith is in this movie. Dame what? Maggie Smith? Are you serious? And Ursula Andress is in this. Nice. Yeah, uh, Speaking wow. of Bond girls. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, this was sword and sword and sandals, sword and sorcery. Ah. A lot of uh, digging into Greek mythology to cobble together a pretty flimsy storyline about sword per- and shish kebab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Perseus is trying to get married to the hot chick, and uh, the evil Calibus is showing up in, at night, stealing her soul every night. I guess I don't know. Something to do with Medusa. Something to do with release the kraken. Yeah, and. Uh, it's really not good, and I'm, I was surprised when I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes on it uh, because it's. I loved it as a kid. I was in third grade when it came out, and I thought it was the coolest shit in the world, and I was obsessed with Greek mythology at that point. And uh, I think, what was the uh, the Dan Riordan books that the teens were reading uh, that had a lot of Greek mythology in it? I remember my, my goddaughter. Oh, uh, Percy Jackson. Yeah, Percy yeah. Jackson yeah. and the Lightning Thief. Yeah, yeah. She was talking about all of that. And I was like, wait a minute. I remember all of this mythology because I watched Clash of the Titans. Yes. Fuck yeah. This we is the first movie. It, this is the first movie that I remember seeing at the it, on the big screen in the, the at the drive-in in Manetta. Awesome. Uh this is the very first movie I ever remember my parents took me to see. Um, so it, it holds a special place in my heart, too. Now, I haven't seen it recently, so... Yeah, I think I, it's considered a groundbreaking film in terms of the special effects and the Not really, because motion. Ray was doing the stuff that he had always been doing with, uh, you know, the Sinbad movies. It And this was in 81, so it was kind of, like, long in the tooth by the time it came out. Honestly, I was thinking of Sinbad. Sin- oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because a lot of Ray Harryhausen's like classics were fifties, sixties, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this su- is yeah, that's why yeah. I was a little surprised. So this surprised is Ray kind of trotting out all of his. It, it was retro his, at his the time, tricks. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So um, I love it, or of course, because I, I just thought it was beautifully done, and I have high respect for him and his abilities. But uh, as a movie, I just don't think it's that great. Uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier was very sleepy as Zeus, like. Just collecting that paycheck. Yeah. It's like these great actors at the end of their career just kind of getting a few more in under the wire. You know, that's the way that movie felt for me, for him. Anyway. I, uh, just this morning, I had a craving for Saturday morning cartoons. So I searched Popeye, and there's an episode 
It's Popeye the Sailor Man meets Sinbad the Sailor. Oh. But they just basically use the Bluto archetype for Sinbad. There you have it. Um, I thought about adding the Popeye movie. That was the next thing I watched. I watched <laughs> I watched that a lot as a kid. And that, Robert and it, Altman. Even as a kid, I realized it was shitty. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Shelley Duvall makes anything shitty. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> you hate on her. And she was the perfect pick for that character, too. She was the only person who could have played. Yeah. I mean, what about Shelley Long? Come on. <laughs> All right, Joey. I am going to break the seal on Ernest. Oh, um, I feel like we have some other Ernest movies coming what do you mean, down Vern? the pipe. Uh, I'm going to break the seal on this one because it was the very first appearance on in a feature-length film, anyway, okay. of the Ernest P. Worrell character. This is a movie that I wasn't sure actually existed, and I thought that it might be a figment of my imagination uh-huh. until I looked it up later this uh, earlier this week and watched it. Um, and this was kind of like my first moment as like a budding film snob because I remember getting this movie from the VHS Center in, in Peely in South Carolina and my cousins and you know people who around my age didn't get it they didn't they didn't really like it and I was like y'all just don't understand this right it's, it, you just don't understand it's over your heads uh, this is a movie <laughs> this which, earnest movie is over your head I watched it it's, <laughs> it's called Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Moon Gloom Beam I and know I've never even heard of this. Fucking nuts. Y'all. That's the one with the the, the, yes. the gloved hand on top of the he head. He plays a yes. uh, like a Flash Gordon esque galactic villain who has yes a hand on top of his head. Jim Varney's playing. Yeah, Jim Varney plays it, which uh, we learn early later in the movie. And I did, this went over my head as a kid that the reason that is that he has a hand on top of his head is because he's the result of a botched abortion. Oh, yikes! Which Ooh. makes it a little bit darker than your normal Ernest fair, right? Uh-huh. Uh, this was actually the first appearance of Ernest. He he appears twice in. Uh, like a vignette before the credits, and uh-huh. he appears again at the end in a scene which I can't talk too much about without giving spoilers. Um, God, I <laughs> want to see this movie. <laughs> but uh, it's a uh, he, uh, Jim Varney, uh, who's obviously the most famous character, was Ernest. Plays five different characters in here. What it seems he pulls like a clumps. It, yes, yes. It seems like a kind of like a vehicle for him to show off all these characters because there's a changing coffin that Dr. Otto von Schnick, ick, ick. That's how he, that's how he stylizes his name. Uh, there's a changing coffin that he goes into to morph into these different characters to thwart the bad guy. I mean, the good guys, as it were. Uh, it lands somewhere south of a sci-fi spoof, but y'all, it's like... It's bonkers. It it's sounds like, like this, an acid trip. Well, it's like a combined DIY, with a fever dream. It's kind of like a DIY down home trauma release. Okay, is what it sort of feels like, and <laughs> yes. like I, I cannot do it justice with just how weird it is. Uh, and it's got a really low rating. No one ever talks about it, but it might be the best Jim Varney film. Like in all seriousness, what, where is it available? Like, what, I watched it on I think uh, Roku TV, okay, or one of the you know those free gotcha. streaming apps. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah Doctor Otto and the Riddle the of the too. Moon Gloom Beam. I bet you get all the shittiest ads with that one too. <laughs> it's just Lotaburger. <laughs> all right, uh, Todd, what's up? Well, so uh, my next movie was actually going to be Roadhouse. So rather than talk about that again, I'm going <laughs> to add an addendum to Joey's. With uh, <laughs> okay. the, we're going to turn uh-huh. this into a Jim Varney episode. Yes. But, uh, uh, and my failed efforts to find a copy of Ernest Goes to Camp to watch, which I considered for my list, 
The and so I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't find this movie because every other Ernest movie, including Ernest Goes to Africa, uh, which you know it, it is on the list of like the most racist films of all time. I was like, Seems why can't like I if find there was Ernest one you wouldn't be able to find, it would be yeah. Ernest Goes to Africa. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ernest Goes to Camp. So I went down a Reddit rabbit hole and I found out why it is no longer available. So. Uh, the, pre- the, the, the basically the premise of the movie is that Ernest is like a camp counselor mm-hmm. and uh, he gets involved with this Indian tribe and there's this evil capitalist who's trying to steal their land so he yep. helps them out. So the actor Scooby-Doo uh, situation. The actor who plays the Indian is a guy named Iron Eyes Cody who's most famous as the crying Indian. Um, oh, the guy who was the one single the, tier? The single tier guy. Wow. Yep. Uh, and so apparently Iron Eyes Cody was a fraud. Uh, yeah, it turned out and uh, his uh, his um, I think it was his um, sister uh, came out uh, in around 1996 and said he's not actually an, a Native American. He's Italian. Um, and stop it. <laughs> stop it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he was the original Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So it gets a little bit more. So. um uh, he denied it at the time, and then I think after he died, they actually found documentation to prove that both his parents were Sicilian. Uh, so he just created a whole career uh, playing these Native American characters, oftentimes at the behest of his friend Walt Disney. So this is Walt Disney Yo, this owns nice. the rights to that film, and apparently in order to protect the image of Walt Disney and the fact that he was, even though he was long dead... Uh, when this came out, uh, the company decided we're just going to put this film away because, it. yeah, because uh, you know, Ironized Cody pulled a fast one on Walt, so they'll let you know. Oh, they Ernest robbed to- the world of Ernest goes to camp because of one man's mistake. Right. That's so there was nothing mm. particularly offensive I don't think about it was the a mistake. Uh, I'm mm. pretty sure he did it on purpose. Yeah. Mm. But there was nothing particularly offensive about the uh, the film itself. It was just this one, you know, mm-hmm. Ironized Cody. Ernest goes to. Todd. Todd. Do the sing do the song. What? Gee, I'm glad it's raining. Alright, we have to pay we have to pay royalties if we sing any more than that. <laughs> do you know the song? I don't know what you guys are talking about. From, from Ernest Goes to Camp. It's actually a pretty a good song. Just, anybody who's listening to us right now, if you ever run out, run into Todd and he's out having a few adult beverages, ask him to sing the song from <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp. You've never, you've never heard the. Have you seen the movie? Ernest Goes to Camp. Yes. I will contend this is actually a pretty good song. It's a good song. It really is. Speaking of the teardrop, the one teardrop, maybe he was talking about Iron Eyes Cody. Maybe. Mm-hmm. My favorite line we didn't get to. All they wanted was a hero. All I needed was a friend. <laughs> anyway, God. that's amazing. I love that you know way more lyrics than I do. That's really funny. Uh, yeah. I watched it quite a bit as a kid. So I, I saw it a few times. Um, Travis. Over to me, number three. I've got... Earth Girls Are Easy. Earth Girls Are Easy. And I rewatched this today, so it is freshly tattooed on my brain matter. Um, of course, we've got a trio of aliens 
one red, one yellow, one blue, uh, who crash land in Hollywood and uh, find a remarkably fit Gina Davis, uh, who kind of tries to protect them and show them around. They're played by Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, and Damon Wayans. Fucking amazing. Also, Michael McKean shows up as like a surfer Spicoli-like character. <laughs> and I was like, what? That seems like really weird casting. Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, it's also like unbelievably a musical. So there's like extended musical numbers throughout the throughout the film. Um, oh, and one one last thing about it: uh, the unfaithful fiance is played by one Charles Rocket from Saturday Night Live. Oh, Remember, wow. he was supposed to be the new it guy, a combination of Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. Yeah. Uh, and he ended up getting fired with the restructuring there. Yep. It, that was during Norm or sorry, um, Lauren's hiatus. Right. Charles Rocket eventually committed suicide by slitting his own throat. <laughs> that takes commitment. For real, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Last one from. I'm sorry. Last one before we take an intermission. Uh, for me, it's going to be a film that we spent an entire episode recasting. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about 1981's Cannonball Run. Cannonball mm. Run! It's a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's bullshit. That's fucking yeah, 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 I agree. <laughs> it, it completely set the stage for the um, ensemble cast oh race, my God, yeah. race uh, hello. for your life movie. I, I, I will go out on a limb and say we would not have the Fast and the Furious franchise oh. without Cannonball Run. We wouldn't have... What's the reality show? The, um, the Great Race. The the Amazing Race. The Amazing Race. We wouldn't have The Amazing Race if it wasn't for Cannibal Run. Uh, directed by Hal Needham, starring a veritable potpourri of B and D and C list actors. Well, you can't you can't just say Hal Needham without explaining who he is. Um, Hal he Needham, was did, Burt Reynolds' stuntman. Yeah, and he directed a lot of these wackadoodle yeah. type movies that Burt was in. Uh, of course, starring Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Tavera Fawcett. Uh, Roger Moore, mm. Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Jack Elam, Jackie Chan, Adrian Barbeau, Burt Convey, Terry Bradshaw was there. Somehow. <laughs> it sounds like a really crazy, coke-filled night in Hollywood. Right. Can uh, you imagine? It's crazy. It blows my mind. I mean, it, I haven't seen this film since I was young, much younger, but it blows my mind that it's so reviled. It was like 29%. I, I, I would have sworn that it was like a beloved classic of 80s, populist 80s. Why you can't always cinema. trust Rotten Tomatoes. You can't. You can't. Uh, it is a guilty pleasure for me. I saw it in the theater as a kid, and uh, I've loved it ever since. Every time it's on, it's one of those movies. It yep. doesn't matter where it is in the film. I'll sit there and watch it and wait for Captain Chaos. And, <laughs> and TBS thanks you. I know, time. right? Every time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's going to be my pick. Uh, we're about half an hour in, so I figure it's a good time we take a uh, intermission. But before we go... I think it's time that we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some guilty pleasure. Well, yeah. A beer. That's my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. 
We promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go. And we're back. Are you ready? Thank you for sticking with us during intermission. Uh, I peed in the yard. Travis and I peed in the yard. We My pee is a fluorescent yellow for B vitamin consumption. We crossed the streams. No, well, yeah, they they got um, intertwined. Did you ever do that, like in grade school? Did y'all have like the big pee trough, or did you have like? I had none. We had the we had the trough, yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, like and we would sword you fighting. Have to sword fight, cross yeah. the streams, man. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Uh, I hate typically. it when my Schwartz get tangled. <laughs> typically, when we come back from intermission, we do uh, what? What do we like to do? A beer check-in. Yeah. Who's got beers? I have a uh, Sycamore Mountain Candy, which is an uh, IPA. They're from Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte. Yep. And, and it uh, is quite good. We've been sipping on the Resident Culture Casual Continuum. Casual Consent. IPA, and it's quite yummy. And I've got another one that will open up in just a second from our friends at New Anthem. New Anthem in Wilmington. Wilmington, where we're... I was recently stomping around. All right. Well, we're going to continue our uh, fun of going down the list of this all episode of our... all about Jackal. Jackal! <laughs> Did, wasn't their big hit, like, didn't they have like a chainsaw? Something about a chainsaw. Yeah, it was a chainsaw, chainsaw solo and the guitar. Lumberjack song. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, thank you. <laughs> I knew that I remembered something from college, and it sure wasn't my education. Um, all right, JoJo, what you got? Well, this list would not have been complete without some B-movie horror, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I do not feel one bit guilty about any of these, but this is a... Uh, I'm, I'm going to nominate the entire series here, not just one film. It's the Puppet Master series. Puppet Master. <laughs> there are, yes. I think, Speaking like Metallica. 12 or 13 of these movies now, Whoa. including the latest one called The Littlest Reich, which is Actually arguably the good. best in the series. And it's it's like something with Nazis? Yeah. Well, there's there's Nazi mythology throughout intertwined the throughout the series. They're, they are Nazi in origin. Nazi and puppets? Not exactly. I they did were, not see that coming. The pu- <laughs> well, the puppets themselves. The, the puppet master Toulon uh, was yeah. a German, and the Nazis tried to get him to exactly uh, use yeah. his puppets for evil, e- evil purposes, mm-hmm. but he would not go yeah. along. Yeah. So Todd and I, because we are lucky enough to have every Friday off, because um, we don't work, we don't really work for a living. Um, We've been doing a, a coffee movie series in the mornings on Friday morning and watching the Puppet Master series. Uh, I think we're through about five of them now, plus yep. the Littlest Reich, which we accidentally watched at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Can, Can you, you be part of the club if you don't like coffee? Uh, yes, yes, by all means. Are you wearing yes. spa robes when you do this? Um, not necessarily, although that could be that could sure. be a, a that's yeah. a good idea actually. Uh, but I think we're uh, I've watched about five of these now. They are exactly what you think. They're puppets killing people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes though, the like Tom and Jerry. Sometimes the puppets are evil. Sometimes they're 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 good. Uh, there's a whole Nazi back uh, backstory. The last one that we watched, number four or five, whichever, goes even further into the backstory. There's like they're they the Nazis or the Toulon and the Nazis were trying to to. Uh, take this technology is the puppets are animated via some sort of magic. From it's like reanimator Egypt. kind of okay. the way that they reanimate them. There's and some sort uh, of or... it's a straight to video stalwart. They really was one of those things that kind of, you know, the straight to video market put out a lot of stuff like this. Yeah. I'll say that puppet master, this, the whole series is probably 
the creme de la creme of the straight to video horror market and uh good movies good delivers times. exactly what you think they will okay mm-hmm. uh todd what have you got next uh so this movie is a rare zero percent on the tomato meter a critic said about it it's misguided it's not funny and it's it in its lame efforts to be irreverent and hip it turns out to be just plain mean uh, and yet, it was a blockbuster that made $72 million at the box office and spawned a sequel, Problem Child, 1990. Oh, God. Starring John Ritter. Yeah. Um, and this is another one where I would love to have been a fly on the wall when this was pitched. So, we're going to make a kid's movie about a kid who's a psychopath, and his hero is a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> the serial well, killer I is... I have pr- to mention something about Problem Child. Uh, the cover art... You can picture it in your head, mm-hmm. right? The kid is holding up the mom and dad by their ankles. And right. all of the pictures, on, which are for some reason on the outside of the house, are askew. Right. Cut to a movie called Parenthood with Steve Martin, where he's standing in front of the house holding two kids by their ankles, and all of the pictures behind him are not askew. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with it for years. <laughs> very, very notable uh, uh, art uh, for sure. Um, but you guys you know, wait, no more, no yeah. way more about. Well, of course, I was nine years old when, I, when this came out, so of course, I was the audience for it. But I, I, I would maintain it. It does have some uh, watchability that remains. Another thing that's interesting about this movie is that pretty much all the characters are completely unlikable, except for uh, John the Ritter, killer. Yeah. <laughs> who's played by uh, Kramer, yes. uh, Michael Richards. And the child actor, uh, it's a kid named, um, what was it, Michael Oliver. I'm pretty uh, sure his name was Problem Child. Yeah. <laughs> Awful performance. Yeah, he's movie. bad. He's real bad. I had to see this as a child. Uh, when, when Under you, duress? W- yes. When we would go on family vacation, uh, my parents would agree to let me and my sister go see a movie by ourselves. And but we had to come to a consensus on what we were gonna see. This and, sounds like hell. And I remember very clearly older my, or younger sister. My younger sister. Oh god, me you were too. born in '77, weren't you? '81. '81. So okay. Yeah, so. All right. So my sister was born in '77, and she wanted to see Problem Child. I wanted to see Arachnophobia. Man, Arachnophobia is a superior film. Right. So yes, I had 100%. to. I had to be the uh, the big brother in the scenario mm-hmm. and and settle and go see this fucking movie. It's not a pleasure for me. But I'm next sorry. next time it was your pick, right? No, no, that's no. not how shit like that works. It doesn't when work you have a way. younger sister, no. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have a younger sister. I rewatched it uh, last night. Enjoyed it. Um, it it's de- definitely not a good movie. Uh, however, there is something about the absurdness about how like this was a kids movie, and yet it actually was popular. It, I'm it, curious about that, like your perspective as a parent. Yeah, um, I, you know, it's it's very weird. The kid uh, is, um, you know, uh, pretty much a shit, devious, um, mm-hmm. devious. Uh, you know, a, a psychopath essentially. Did you say he's malevolent? Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> and then they kind of, back. you know, at the end of the movie, they try to quickly wrap it up and make it out. Oh, he was just a psychopath because he kept being given away. But uh-huh. if you go back to the end of the movie, he kept being given away for good reason. He yeah. was, yeah, he's a shithead. It was a shithead. Bad um, kid. But anyway. Oh, wow. All right, Travis. Over to me. All right. So full disclosure, I walked into this meeting thinking that we were uh, talking about three movies and then found out it's five, and I just scribbled down two more. So I'm going to be a little bit loose in the goose with this one. Uh, has anybody ever seen Rustler's Rhapsody? No. Rustler's no. Rhapsody. It's a Western comedy starring Tom Berenger, 
oh. uh, where he plays Rex O'Herlihan, the singing cowboy. No. And he befriends the town drunk and has to um, negotiate a land dispute between the railroad men and the sheep herders. Uh, one of the villains is named Black Bart, and he's played by the butler from Downton Abbey. Uh, John Wayne's son is in this as a confirmed heterosexual. Uh, it's fucking awesome. They eat hallucinogenic roots, and the horses start singing. Watch this When did this movie. come out? 1986, 87. I feel like, like there's that. an alternate universe where this is a beloved cult classic, and in this universe, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, I um, I love this movie so hard. Um, it's, get, give me a shot and hold the hair. Wow. Because <laughs> they automatically put hair in your whiskey. Because that's just the norm. Sure. Yeah, it's so good, you guys. Tom Berenger. Oh, fucking wow. um, the 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 train baron or the cattle baron is played by Andy Griffith. Oh my. Yes. Oh wow. Uh, nineteen eighty-five. Eighty-five. Close. Okay. Yes. All right. There you go. All right. My next. Uh, I told you that uh, I don't have shame, so I don't feel bad about watching any films that I like. I don't feel guilty. But this one is one that. Uh, through the lens of time does not have the same uh, acceptance. I went with 1985's Weird Science. Oh, oh that's dude. a good movie. 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Um, I watched this film pretty much every day while I was in 7th <laughs> or 8th grade. Yeah, during the summertime. Yeah. And, what was that uh, actress's Kelly LeBrock? Kelly right? LeBrock, yeah, LeBrock. Anthony Michael Hall, uh, Ian Mitchell Smith. Was, Doesn't Robert was Downey Jr. show? Robert I Downey love Jr. this man. Robert Downey Jr.'s <laughs> in it. Uh, Bill Paxson, uh, the great Michael Berryman from uh, The Hills Have Eyes. And Bill Paxson right, right. is the older brother, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he turns into it's a big jock. big shit, big yeah. top pile of shit. He's a military nut, is yeah. what he was. Uh, but obviously, this does not farewell uh, over time oh, because there's a, a issue of consent involved in the oh, film. Right. Beyond, that pops up I mean, beyond the fact that they construct a woman based on adolescent that male adolescent count. fantasies. I'm okay, that yes, that, that that's cringy. But beyond that, I would counter that the film actually is a commentary on those adolescent male fantasies. She has a little bit more autonomy than you give her credit for. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I've always said that she's Kelly, smarter than them. I've always said that Kelly LeBrock has control of the situation in all at all times. Mm-hmm. And uh, granted, she was created, but however, she does pull the strings for the. Now whole let's movie. talk about Revenge of the Nerds. Well, well, that was going to be <laughs> the, my other thing. I was going to say is that this kind of pairs with Revenge of the Nerds in that. That movie does not fare well either because you're talking about uh, Andrew tricking uh, into sex. Commented on that one way back in the early days of this podcast, oh, yeah. by yeah, the way. Yeah. But everything that we just said about weird science is true. But that scene in the bar where he's talking to the old, the the older Anthony blues Michael Hall, man, yeah. that hey, shit man. is common. She fucking comic gold. Yeah, that's <laughs> some of the man. best that, comedy. Yeah, man. that's great. Loved it. Loved it. All right. Uh, this is our last round. Correct. All right. You better bring it. Okay. So when we, I, I, I started doing the research for this episode well ahead of time because Joey's I wanted to, uh, <laughs> hang on, before Joey gets on a roll, I got to open a new one. 
This is a cherry colored funk, by the way. What? Cherry colored funk. I like that. Go ahead, Joey. So as I said, I, I did the, the research for this episode well ahead of time. And because I, I, I genuinely wanted to revisit many of the movies that I've talked about today. Right. And I did revisit most of them. Uh, I did. I had no idea what my fifth and final pick was going to be until last night. It came to me magically. I didn't know until 30 minutes ago. My wife pulled out this random movie last night. Hey, I want to see this. And I'd never heard of it before. Have you guys, and this I, I extend our listeners at home, have y'all heard of a movie called Tiptoes? Tiptoes? No. I'm not familiar with that. Y'all, never have. this shit is nuts. Okay? 2004, Matthew McConaughey uh-huh. plays a normal-sized man who comes from a family of dwarves, little people. I've heard of this. He's dating Kate Beckinsdale, yes. who's the female Keanu Reeves, in that she's Kate Beckinsdale in everything that she's ever in. Sean really wants to correct, correct your pronunciation. Beckinsale. <laughs> but okay. Sorry. <laughs> he doesn't tell her that he comes from a family of little people until she gets pregnant and drama ensues. Oh, my. Y'all, Gary Oldman. Gary fucking Oldman Gary Coleman plays little a little people. person in this movie. Yes! Walking yes, around on his knees. Like Dorf on golf. Oh, no. I'm serious. <laughs> like, how is this not, like, how is this not a thing? Right? Okay. Listen, I'm not here to, to weigh in on that part of it. Obviously, Gary Oldman playing Mistakes a little person in a cast full of actual little people. They gave a lot of little people actors... Esteemed actor Gary Oldman. I'm not here to comment on that. Beyond all of that, yeah. Beyond all of that baggage, beyond that, I'll let other more qualified people comment on that part of it. It this movie is a train wreck of epic. Where's where's the pleasure come in? It's fascinating. Okay. That it Apparently there was a, there was a director's cut, 150 minutes long. That was what director Matthew Bright uh, intended. The producers cut it down to 90 minutes, and he jumped on stage at Sundance when it premiered at Sundance and lambasted the producers, saying that they had you know. Let me guess. He got up and he said, movie. "This film is short," and everyone goes, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they pulled him off stage. Peter Dinklage said that he signed on for a movie that was going to be, you know, everything that he thought it was going to be. But they turned it into a rom-com with dwarves. Um, it is, I'm going to give you a line of dialogue from the movie. Yeah. yeah, please. So there's a point in the film after she finds out accidentally. Oh, I forgot to mention that David Allen Greer has sex with a little person uh, porn star in this movie. Perfect. Wow. Uh, Kate Beckinsdale's character. So, have you ever been sexually intimate with a little, a little person? person, a midget? She's still calling them midgets at this point. Okay. Before she are they dwarves or it. midgets? Uh, they they make a big deal of this. Uh, the the correct nomenclature is little people are dwarves. Midgets is offensive. Uh, but she's but still there is s- a difference. There is a difference between a little person and a dwarf. Yes. But she asked him if he's ever been sexually intimate. He says, "Not really, just kid stuff." What the fuck? She says, w- delivers this line with a straight face. You mean you had a circle junk, uh, a circle jerk with a bunch of midgets? I'd love to see that. 
Okay. That's, that's the kind weird, of movie that's that we're talking take about. That she got from that. Yeah. Um, I could see a world in which just kids stuff means just like over the clothes stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really comes across as pedophilia. Yeah. And but then her reply has nothing to do with kid stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a circle jerk with dwarves. Again, I don't want this. I, 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 this I'm not. Nice. I don't want this to come across as offensive to little people. Right. That's not where I'm going with this movie. Beyond wow. all that, it is a train wreck of just epic. Some of my best epic, friends are midgies. Epic proportions, and you have to see it to understand how. Wow fascinatingly weird and bad this movie is. All right. So for my last one, and this actually came out in December of 1990, uh, shortly after A Problem Child, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Kindergarten Cop. Oh! (laughs) Uh, Directed by Ivan Reitman of Ghostbusters, uh, Stripes. uh, Another one was Schwarzenegger Twins. Mm uh, it's got 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, which kind of surprised me, so it's not reviled by critics, uh, although one critic did say something that I actually thought uh, summarized why it's pretty awesome. A mismatch of violence, psychodrama, and lukewarm kitty comedy. And I actually thought that <laughs> that combination uh, actually uh, is what made the film work, because it uh, it's a kid's movie, yeah. uh, but at the beginning of it, uh, there's this, uh, we see a drug dealer murder someone. Is it um, set in Seattle? Somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, I think. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I can't remember okay. the city, but they, probably, because there, there was a lot of rain in the movie. But uh, in any case, uh, you know, John Kimball, played by Schwarzenegger, is uh, this uh, roughhouse cop. And so he's trying to nail to the wall this guy, Crisp, uh, played by a character actor named Richard Tyson, who I, I don't know if he popped up in anything after this, or significant at, at least. Um, but uh, so Kimball and his partner, uh, played by Pamela Reed, um, go to uh, this town. It's called Astoria. So wherever that is. Astoria is in uh, Oregon. That's okay, where the Goonies go. is set. Perfect. Um, yeah. So, um, and uh, the premise is that uh, uh, Phoebe, who's the detective, is supposed to, she has some teaching experience, so she's supposed to go and teach in this kindergarten class that they think might have uh, Crisp's estranged son because Crisp's wife ran away with the son to get away from him because he's a murderous uh, drug dealer. It's like a Um, witness protection situation, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. And, but she gets uh, incredibly sick and can't do it. And so, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger Chris, or uh, um, Kimball has to go in and teach this kindergarten class with no credentials. Uh, which he, has, leads to, to, he yeah. has, to, has to experience their nievete about boys have a penis and yep. girls have a vagina. A famous line, boys have a yep. uh, Also, it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Yep, that's a good one. Uh, there, yeah, there's one hilarious kid that's obsessed with death and, you know, keep... Um, I also like it, too, uh, at the end of his first day, he falls on the bed, and there's a shot with his face smashed up, and he goes, they're horrible. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, I saw this movie when you know, when it originally came out, but over the years I've found it still eminently uh, watchable, um, even though it is kind of weird. That How it's have a, they not remade this? Yeah. How has Kindergarten Cop not been remade with The Rock? Yeah. But, you know, it's really dark for a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but um, but for some reason it works, and uh, you know I uh, I'm a fan. It made uh, over two hundred uh, million dollars at the box office, so it was a box office hit. Uh, right. But the reason why I consider it the guilty pleasure uh, is uh, a few years ago, um, me 
and my former girlfriend and a couple of friends were doing a uh, Schwarzenegger movie marathon. My pick for that was Kindergarten Cop, and one of the people there, who I didn't know, a mutual friend brought them over, got l- actually pissed off. I mean, they were pissed <laughs> off that they were going to have to watch uh, Kindergarten Cop because they wanted traditional Schwarzenegger. Out of all they were hoping for a last action hero. I was going to say, for yeah. all the grand uh, Schwarzenegger yeah. movies. <laughs> well, I think they wanted action star Schwarzenegger. Oh, and not, yeah, yeah, I agree. That was my uh, point. Sounds but like in any case. To me. Um, I, well, yeah. I was there too, and it was this was actually at my house, and uh, the the one person who objected was a woman, which I thought was funny because she was a you know like you, you pussies, you're watching fucking kindergarten college. She <laughs> yeah. wanted you know raw deal or commando or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 commando's great. Red heat, two lies, motherfucker. Yeah. Over to me. Get to the chop shop. Oh. Go ahead and get to the <laughs> chop shop. <laughs> I don't like it in here. It's scary. Uh, all right, so I've got one that I wrote down, and I'm gonna. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna do a double feature. This is uh, Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold, combined with King Solomon's Mind. Yes. Two movies starring Richard Chamberlain as Alan Quartermain, which is dismissed regularly as a Indiana Jones knockoff. But he, came however, first. it's. It's based on yeah. novels that came way before the indie universe. Um, Sharon Stone, James Earl Jones, uh, just quality action adventure comedy. I That's agree. A, yeah. we've, we've talked about it on the show. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. And I don't, ever, I don't understand why it never really took traction. I think Alan Quartermain is a strange name for modern audiences to, yeah. to digest. It does not have the same appeal as Indiana Jones. I, I briefly considered putting Indiana Jones in the Crystal Skull. Oh, uh, I has one in mind, but so I thought, bad. see, that's why I so didn't, because I thought that I might not be invited back. I think the new one is going to I hope it's be better. better than that, and trying to kind of right the ship oh. before I'm, he retires. I was very happy to hear that they were doing this because I didn't want them to leave it off. I, I don't even count the Crystal Skull. Yeah. The last one is the is last it that was, bad though? It's real really? bad. It's, they have like badly uh, computerized uh, CGI know, ants. Like the three of us saw that in the theaters at the Julia. Do you guys remember I that? Oh, I, 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 I remember. Todd and mm-hmm. Travis and I, I saw that now. in the theaters at yeah. the Julia, That's and I remember thinking that it wasn't as bad. I remember thinking that it wasn't as bad as y'all seem to think it was. Where they're swinging from the vines with the monkeys. Yeah, God. Yeah, Bad's and horrible fun. CGI. And, uh, Shia LaBeouf. Can we just? <laughs> yep. It seems like they were going to try to set up the series to take off with right. LaBeouf, they right? They wanted to. Yeah. The movie. And then he, he turned out to be Shia LaBeouf. It didn't take. Like, didn't take. weren't having that. All right. Uh, my last pick is from 1987. It mm-hmm. has a 50% on Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes. It is right down the middle. It's directed by Tom Mankiewicz. Uh, he was the writer of Superman the Movie. Late. The founder of the uh, Mankiewicz Foundation. He wrote Lady Hawk. He, oh, he wrote, he wrote Sword and Sorcery. He wrote Live and Let Die. Um, the movie Paul McCartney song? The movie stars Tom Hanks, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Christopher Plummer, Jack O'Halloran, and Dabney Coleman. I'm talking about Dragnet. Dragnet! Mm. <laughs> yes! I fucking loved this movie when I was in high school. Uh, MTV, for some reason, was on the hype train for this film. They had mm-hmm. a, a very bad rap. 
well, it's rap weird. video with 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 Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. It's a city of crime. Yeah, they were rapping. They rapped. Wow. As as in character. I don't. I have no idea about this movie. In character. So it's yeah. a film adaptation of the TV show right. Dragnet. Yep. However, right. it's not anything like the show. The show was supposed to be serious. Yeah. And they did this as a comedic uh, kind Cr- of Christopher uh, Plummer. Adaptation. Christopher Plummer well, plays a a, a preacher. Like yeah. like an evangelist preacher, and Dabney Coleman plays a uh, pornography magnet who has a a, li- a publisher of porn magazines. Yeah. And it, do you remember the name of his porn mag? Um, Playhouse Bait. B a i wait wait oh, b a i t. And and I'm talking and I'm talking about today. I'm like, wait a minute, that's fucking slang for masturbating. Oh my god, I just got it. Like you know, <laughs> thirty five years later. So uh, the movie still keeps giving. (laughs) Ackroyd plays Friday. Yes. And he's teamed up with Tom Hanks' character, who's uh, much, much cooler. His name is Pep. Pep. He's much cooler. Friday's very by the book. Yeah, of course. Um, Is this the first shot in what would become a lot of... uh, Sort of, sort of par- parodical, like, like sort of parody remakes of yes. films uh, of TV shows like Ships, Twenty One Jump Street, yes. yeah, uh, Stars yeah, and Hutch, it is. Charlie's I think, Angels. I think you can safely say this is the first one. <laughs> yeah, this is the springboard for that entire yeah. genre. That's an interesting genre. Beverly yeah. Hillbillies is another example. Speaking yeah. of Jim Varney, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. monsters recently yep. with uh, so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm. The Rob Zombie, no, you no, liked it? I liked it. Yeah, oh. the I monsters? think he did what he wanted to. Okay. He accomplished what he set out to accomplish. Were you yeah. um, high? I was really, really high. But my, here, my <laughs> wife wanted me I to watch it with her because the only other people I've ever heard say they liked that movie were tripping acid while they watched. No, it. I was not. But I was. It's safe to say yeah. that I was really, really high when I watched it. Yes, I thought that mm. the main character Herman Munster he did an all right job. Other than that, garbage. I thought it was Pure a. Garbage. I thought it was a loving, visually interesting tribute, yeah. and I considered like putting it on this Rob list today. Backyard. Yeah, I think it looked very homemade, and bro, that was the point, man. But didn't was the, it? But the series kind of looked that way too, right? To defend it a little bit, but I don't know, man. I just, something about it just feels really bizarre. Just I'm, monsters predate Adam's family by like a month. A mm. month, yeah. The month, the month, the month. <laughs> For the record, I like my favorite it. kind of cheese. <laughs> all right, so we're all guilty. We we we've laid our souls bare of all of our guilty pleasures. What are we at time wise? Um, we're, we're we got about two minutes. We've got. Time. I plead. I plead innocent. Check ins. Yeah, go ahead and give me some rapid fire all movie right, so marathon check ins. I haven't checked these in. Uh, these I've just written them down on a post-it note. Uh, Fool's Paradise with Charlie Day. Uh, he plays a guy who goes insane, and then he looks so much like this famous actor that they just sub him in as the famous actor. He only has one line in the movie. Um, inside with Willem Dafoe about a uh, burglar who gets trapped inside of a high-end apartment. Uh, the Black Demon is about a megalodon. They're Ooh. supposed to not exist anymore, but in this movie they do. Uh, there's three movies about sharks coming out this year. The Black Demon, Big Ass Shark, or Big Shark, um, and then The Meg 2. Mm. Yeah, it's a cycle with, with Hollywood. Uh, Blackberry. 
I watched Blackberry with Glenn Howerton. Yeah. Interesting that two, uh, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, uh, that movie got good reviews, and I think Fool's Paradise kind of got uh, terrible reviews. Did you? I, what did you think? I think that Fool's Paradise is probably misunderstood. Mm. Um, it's, it's like either you like Charlie Chaplin or you don't. Gotcha. You know? Um, Blackberry was decent. It's, it's kind of like the social network, but a little bit funnier. Hmm. And the the other guy is uh, Jay Baruchel. I've got a uh, I've got a hidden gem for you to check. I'm not out. done yet. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesus, go malevolent. So I watched this on Thursday. My I love wife, that movie. Uh, my I'm wife sorry. picked it's up like, a uh, bartending shift, and I was like, home alone. I was like, I'm going to watch a scary movie, and I was trying to find the movie. Malignant, <laughs> but instead I watched a movie called Malevolent, and turns out it stars a pretty early performance by Florence Pugh, uh, and it's kind of like a conjuring situation. They're paranormal, uh, you know, ghost hunters, and it it I'm, was not terrible. I made the same mistake you did when I said I loved it because I was also thinking of Malignant yeah. when you said Malevolent. And then finally, um, last night I watched Somewhere in Queens, which was directed by Ray Romano, starring Ray Romano. And it's a... Oh, Never thought of him as an auteur. Oh, he's good. he's oh. really throwing it all on the line with this one. And he... Uh, I, th- I think it's good. It's like a wholesome family comedy. Not that wholesome though. Like there's, Ooh. but you feel it. You feel it in your like heart space. You know. Um, All right. What do you got, Sean? Here's your hidden gem. You need to watch Polite Society. Polite Society. I feel like I've seen this. It is a from uh, the '80s. No, no, it's a 2023 release. Oh, okay. It's, I'm just thinking it's of society. A, it's a British slash Bollywood slash martial arts comedy mm-hmm. movie. Somebody's in it. It's Somebody nobody famous. you know. Nobody you know. I think somebody famous. It's like it's, it's as if Bollywood meets Crazy Rich Asians. Um, it's a lot of fun. I recommend it. Is Michelle it. Yao in it? Nope. I also watched The Last Sentinel, the uh, lo-fi, low-key sci-fi about a, um, a station out in the middle of the ocean that basically splits the divide between two warring doing, factions. Um, and that one's starring. Uh, Oh, what's the chicken in that Costner. one? Nope, 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 nope. It stars uh, the girl that I'm not really fond of, um, uh, Kate Bosworth. Bosworth, mm. and uh, it's, it's not to be confused with Kate Beckins. It's a neat, <laughs> it's a neat premise, but it does not deliver on 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 its promise. Anybody else got anything that we must watch? What have you seen recently, guys? Oh, all the movies that I just talked about today. Oh well, yeah, I, no, I've then, obviously got to yeah. see a movie about. Uh, little people. Uh, one that I really enjoyed uh, that I saw at the theaters uh, by a Finnish director uh, called, uh, his name is uh, Helander. He directed a movie years ago called uh, Rare Exports. That yeah, Joey Rare. Oh, yeah. A, an amazing yeah. movie. This movie is called Christmas Sisu. Movie. Yeah. My favorite Christmas movie. Yep. Next to Santa Claus. This movie is called Sisu, uh, which Sisu's is, so good. it's a great yeah. movie. The concept uh, means uh, one who is 
desperate and so- solitary. Right. So there's this, uh, yeah. So there's this guy, kind of. I guess he's searching for gold out in the wilderness yeah. somewhere. Comes across some Nazis and yeah. mayhem ensues. Sort of similar premise to you know Inglorious Bastards, it's maybe. John Wick um, in World War Two. There you go. Yeah. Combined, I guess, with Inglorious Bastards, sort of, because you see Nazis lives. get their uh, comeuppance. Spoiler: The dog. Speaking lives. of Wick Four. Uh, Wick 4 was was a lot to watch. It was too much. Dude, those... I'm sorry, but those sequences that are 20 minutes long of them fighting, they they are tiresome. Choreographed hyper-violence. I think they would have benefited from a lot of editing. um, Oh, you don't think it should have been three hours long? uh, No, I was (laughs) going for 12. Uh, But it's a good franchise, and I've always enjoyed it. I I, I like it, but yeah. It's slick, it's fun. They're going to do a spinoff with Ana de Armas called Ballerina. I see that. Oh, there's a uh, there's a, a TV series coming up called The Continental, based on the right, yeah. origin of the whole hotel thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I like that series a lot too, but I agree with you that it the it just, just needed edit, to be edited edit, down. Edit, 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 edit. I do like Donnie Yen though, but I I really do want to know where I can get that titanium spine so I too can fall <laughs> yeah. off buildings and crack my back. No, it was Kevlar. They had Kevlar suits. That was a little silly too, where he just had to hold his arm up so that he wouldn't get shot and killed. I mean, and yeah. dogs are also made of titanium as well. <laughs> right, they don't right. die either. Yeah. So there you go, Joey. You're being quiet. Other than the movie, like scene. I'm done with this yeah. shit. All right. I have not seen the John Wick movie, so I don't have anything. That you haven't seen right. any of them? No, I have not. Wow. All right, so we're wrapping up then. Uh, Wrap it up, guys. I want to thank you for showing up. Thank uh, you for having coming me. Out. Uh, it's been a fun episode. We've got an episode on the horizon. This it's the one and done episode. Mm. Uh, movies that you oh, only like that need one. to see one time. You don't. No, like it's that. movies that need a sequel, but they didn't. No, make these are movies that you only have to see once, and you're finished. I'm talking because they're so good. Well, it's kind of hard to swallow. Mm. Oh, I have one already. I'm for talking this. Requiem for a Dream. Oh yeah, American yeah. History X. American History X. I'm talking uh, Six Sense. Uh, yeah. Six Sense loses its its it, the wind in its sails. The Crying one. Game. Yeah, I like the other Spoiler, one. The other it's topic a dude. You mentioned. Yeah. Uh, no, the, there's an, another topic you mentioned just the other Fan day. Fan theories. Fan theories. Yeah, fan theories yeah. is on the horizon. We're giving everyone time to do their research. Yeah, I want that one. But uh, but yeah, one and done's coming up. And uh, Joey, I think you and I are probably doing that one. We'll see. We've got to work out some scheduling. Um, but anyway, uh, thanks for coming out, guys. Thanks for guesting. This is, by the way, the first time that uh, Todd and Travis have been on the show together. Right? Really? What? Even I though know. we tried to engineer it for many years, yeah, it never no. happened. But now it's here. So we it broke fun. the seal. We popped yeah. the cherry. Uh, Joey, you got anything to plug? Uh, not this week, uh, but coming soon. Okay. Yeah? <laughs> you keep saying that. All right. I was, like, trying to fall asleep, and I wrote a short story in my head about this guy who's, like, a like a factory manager, and he hates unions, and his best friend, his right-hand man, is, like, uh, actually the leader of the union movement, but he doesn't know it. And he's like, you know, Joe would never do something like that. And it eventually ends in murder. Isn't that called On the Waterfront? Fuck. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> All the good stories have been told. I can't see that coming. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Todd, what you got? Any uh, plugs? No, no plugs. Yeah, I actually wanted to shout out Sisu, so I got a chance to do that. Awesome. Uh, I want to plug Trivia Wednesday nights at Seminar Brewing. Uh, it's a good time as long as my boss doesn't show up. 
And also the show Detroiters, the 2018 show Detroiters with Tim Robinson from I Think You Should Leave. It's only got two seasons, but it's a gem. Um, my only plug is a f- show that I just started watching on HBO. It just came out. The first episode is out. It stars Lily Rose Depp and The Weeknd. The Idol? It's called The Idol. Have you watched it? No, but I've heard some very mixed reviews. I kind of liked it. I liked the uh, the wild fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants approach to shooting the show. It's a very loose script, and they let the performers kind of improv their way through it, so that's kind of cool. Um, plus... If you like Lily Rose Depp, you get to see a lot of her. She get naked? A lot of her in the first episode. All right, that's going to wrap us up today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Please follow us on all the social medias. We're Cinema Chop Shop, except for YouTube, in which we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast. And uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about us, indoctrinate them, and make them love us. And until next time, we want to remind you to please... Watch, Watch Chop Retrofit. Retrofit.